And we went to the bonfire. And we, yes, we sang Kumbaya. We sang good news. Some of you may know that. I mean, we sang past it. We, we sang all those great songs. And as we sang, the presence and the glory of God fell on us. Teenagers sang. We confessed. We testified. We repented. It was a high moment. It was a holy moment. It was a God moment. In fact, it's third. And, and, and let me just tell you where I was at my at that point in my life. I had already been baptized. I was. I, I had already led. The singing, it wasn't the worship back then, led the singing in Sunday morning, Sunday evening services. Played the piano, played the guitar. I was known as the good Christian boy that was the center of the youth group. That's what I was known. And the reason I was known that is because nobody knew me intimately. They didn't know what was going on in my mind. They didn't know what was going on in my private life. They just knew what I wanted them to know. This night, God fell on us. And when we left the bonfire, I remember, I won't tell you how you'll, you'll appreciate this, is that as I recall the evening, I don't even know where the girls went. And you know it was something unusual if I didn't know where the girls were. We guys, we kind of meandered back to the game room. And as we got back to the game room, I didn't know what to do. Sometimes when the Spirit of God falls on you like it fell on us this week, like it fell on us on that um, lakeside, you don't know what to do. You don't know what to say. We got in the game room and I reached to grab a cue stick to shoot pool. That didn't feel right. I walked over to the foosball table, put my hand on and that didn't feel right. I'm a hardhead. I picked up a ping-pong paddle. I was going to try to find something, Todd, I could play. That didn't feel right. And so now I'm frustrated. I don't know what to do, don't know what to say, don't know how to act. And so I turned to one of my male counselors, and I said, I don't even know what to do or say. His words are burned into my soul. Jerry. Don't take this too seriously. Now, I don't know about you, but that's impacted me all of my life. And in point of fact, I didn't get saved until 25 years later. And I believe God, I believe that night God was calling me to salvation. I believe he was calling me to service. In fairness and balance to the male counselor, he was a really good man. In fact, he could have been just about any man in here. People who love their church, people who love their young people. He took off a week to go to camp. And so in fairness and balance, I'm going to say this. Maybe the bonfire didn't speak to him like as deeply as it did to me. Maybe, maybe he just didn't know what to say. But what he did say impacted me greatly. I've carried that 
for years. And it's for that reason, after this week, I want to speak to us. I'm going to speak to counselors and counselees this morning. Counselors, kind of short. Counselors are not just those folks who go on youth camps. Counselors are people sitting here whom somebody comes and asks you a question and just without thinking you give an answer. The truth is, is that when people come to you to to ask questions. It matters what you say. It matters what you say. You don't have to have a theological degree from the seminary to give good spiritual advice. You know, good spiritual counselor advice. You know what you do? Jesus has to live in your life. The Holy Spirit reside in your life. If you live if you walk in, if you lean into, if you learn from the Spirit of God, in those moments when somebody asks you something, you will speak from the overflow of your walk with Him. And it will not be words like, don't take this too seriously or just pray about it. In those moments that the Bible tells us that in the hour you need words, if you will walk with Him... He will give you the words. He will speak for you. He, he, will, he will empower you to say things that you just, you don't know where those words come from. I'm taking this time just to say to you, if somebody comes to you with a spiritual issue, spiritual question, here's what I want you to know. A life is in your hands at that point could be their future. It's important what you say. Counselors, pay attention to your spiritual life. Now then, let's shift gears from counselors to counselees. Now, who are the counselees? Well, you say, well, we got a great group of young people. They are our counselees. Well, we do have a great group of young people, and they, we do counsel them sometimes. But listen, everybody in this room, needs counsel. I'm going to say that again. Everybody in this room needs counsel. Everyone here is a counsel E, someone who receives counsel. And for the balance of my time today, I want to just kind of unpack this in Acts 3. Perhaps this week God spoken to you and you're kind of like I was a teenager, and you're wondering, really, what is the right thing to do? What should we do next? What should we say next? What should we go next? How sh- where should we go next? And Acts 3, 1 and following is going to teach us a lesson. Just give us some action helps. Now, before we crank off on reading these verses in Acts 3, can I remind you of the context of Acts 3? In Acts 1, Jesus Christ ascended to heaven in front of approximately 500 witnesses. Now, it was a crowd of 500. Or it was Baptist. 
They were either crowded. How do I know that? It's because there were 500 on the Mount Ascension. Jesus said, I want you to go back to Jerusalem. They knew when they went back to Jerusalem, it was going to be a prayer meeting. So of the 500 Baptists, only 120 made it to the prayer meeting. Y'all got what I'm telling you? Hello? But those 120, they were committed and they stayed with it. For 10 days straight, they prayed. They prayed all through Acts chapter 1 for 10 days, did business and prayed some more. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit of God fell on the, fell in them and on them in, Jer- in Jerusalem. And 3,000 people were saved. And after that 3,000 people were saved, are you ready for this? It didn't stop there. People continued being saved every day because they met every day. And out of that overflow of the Spirit of God and God working, the local church was born. It's the reason we're here today. And after all of this, now we come to Acts chapter 3 to see what they did next after the Spirit comes. So if you found Acts chapter 3, and you can, would you stand to honor the reading of his word? Question is, how do I go from such a powerful experience of experiencing God back into some semblance of ordinary life? How does it work? What does it look like? Watch this. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple for the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. That's the ninth hour. A man who was lame from birth was being carried there. He was placed each day at the temple gate called Beautiful so that he could beg from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for money. Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, look at us. So he, returned, so he turned to them expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, now this is the famous passage in the King James that says, silver and gold have I none. My translation reads, but Peter said, I don't have silver silver or gold, but what I do have, I give you in the name, you know that name we just sung about, Eric? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Then, taking him by the right hand, he raised him up, and at once his feet and ankles became strong. So he jumped up and started to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. The Baptist went crazy. He was dancing in church. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized that he was the one who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple. So they were filled with awe and astonishment. At what happened to him. Heavenly Father. In the time that remains. I pray that you would. Not just unpack your words. But you would unpack our hearts. And you would do so. And then you would pour into it. Overflowing. Your Holy Spirit. That we can be like Peter and John. In Jesus name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated.
Now, when, when you put this scripture in context, what you come to understand is that Peter and John just had an experience that they had difficulty explaining. They, they knew what they experienced, but they just couldn't put it into words. It never happened before. Didn't know whether it would happen again. And, and, and they knew that God was up to something. Can I just ask you a question? As you look around this congregation, are you aware that God is up to something? If you're not, open your eyes. God is trying to do something with us that we may not have ever seen. Here's what I'm going to tell you. God didn't give Peter and John a vision for, I'll say this again in a second, a vision for six months and two years and five years out. You know how God led Peter and John? He led Peter and John just like he leads us, just like he led the children of Israel who came out of bondage in Exodus. Listen, this is how he did it. In the Exodus, okay, church, I've kind of figured this out with us. I have to tell you when I expect a, a response. How many days of manna did God send at a time? One. Thank you. I feel good today. One day at a time. And that's how he was leading Peter and John. And that's how he leads us one day at a time. He, he met the children of Israel's need one day at a time. He's leading Peter and John one day at a time. So I want to give you four action words. Four words of action that will help us today. Now I want to tell you, these are not sentences. These don't necessarily tie together, but they're just four words of action that will help you if you'll listen. Because they're all lifted right out of, out of the concepts here. The first word is the word stay. Stay. What in the world does that mean? Here it is. Stay with it. Stay with it. When God comes into your life, What you know to do right, continue to do it until and unless he tells you to stop. I mean, you think about it. Verse 1 says, at the hour hour of prayer, they went up to pray. They continued doing what they had done before the Spirit of God fell on them. And God has given us many things to do, folks. He tells us to be faithful. Don't forsake the assembly of yourself together. He tells us to pray. He tells us to share. He tells us to love one. He tells us so many things. And some people want to make this thing of finding the will of God so complicated and confusing. I had a young minister when I was a director of missions. Just frustrated, no end. He felt called to be a vocational minister. And when we sat down to talk, uh, he was telling me some of his frustrations. And I go, okay, what are you doing now? He said, I'm doing nothing. He was right. And somebody goes, man, that's real spiritual. Sounded lazy to me. His wife was managing a retail outlet 60 hours a week. And he was sitting at home waiting to hear from God. And you go, isn't that spiritual? No. Let me just speak to the men. You know, men, one of the big things that God has put on your plate, like it or not, provide for your family. 
In fact, first, Paul wrote to First Timothy and he said, A man who does not provide for his family, especially those of his household, his own household, is worse. The word in the King James is infidel. The word in the Christian standard is an unbeliever. You see, God gives us some things that he wants us to do. How did Peter and John know that it was God's will for them to continue to pray in the temple? Because they had spent three years with the Lord Jesus, and he told them. He said, man, I want you to be faithful. I want you to be faithful. If Jesus were to evaluate your life today, even before this week, would he have rated you faithful? to the things that you know that he wants you to do and to be? You see, our lives are all about sowing seed. Sowing seed. Now, I can't teach this crowd much about gardening, about planting, sowing, reaping. I I can't teach y'all much because you know. But let me tell you what you know that, that we may not apply in our spiritual life. Life in general. Every day you sow seed, and the harvest is coming. I want to say that again. Every day you sow seed, and the harvest is coming. But let me tell you about that law of the harvest. You're going to harvest the fruit of the seed you sow. We wonder why. We wonder why generations move away from God. It's because their parents and their grandparents didn't stay with it. Reading a book by my friend Dave Dykes on the Ten Commandments. And he talks about it. I think it's the second commandment. No, it's the third commandment. Oh, it's the fourth commandment. Honor your father and mother that your days may go well. And it goes on to say that if you, do, if you don't do that, it will affect people. No, it is a second commandment. It will affect generations to the second and third generation. Do you know why that is? Because God's going to curse them? Maybe. That may happen. But if you make an idol in your life today, that idol is going to be augmented by your children no matter what you say. No matter what you say. Well, Brother Jerry, I don't have an idol. I don't have another God. Really? So you're telling me that God, the Lord Jesus, has first place in your life? That when it comes to your life, the Lord Jesus is first place? He always wins out. Schedule, finances. He wins out. Is that really the case? How about a business owner? Founder of most businesses, man, they make it pop, and and we and we can tell you a lot of businesses. I'll pick on Walmart, which I'll probably go to this afternoon. When it was started by their founder, most of us, many of us, remember the customer service that was there. Then it passed along to the next generation. Customer service began to fade. Then it went to the third generation, and well. Let's just stop there. The same thing happens in a family when you substitute a God, when you're not faithful, when you don't stay with it. 
You pass it along to your children. Like it or not, what you sow, you reap. Stay with it. Stay with your commitment to the Father that you made when you committed your life to him. How many of us have made deep commitments to him at some point and walked away? Made deep commitments and decided, I didn't really mean that like I said. Well, you didn't. You made the commitment. That also brings me to another thought about this thing of staying. As God spoke this week, I dare say there were people in this room that God was speaking to to come to him in salvation. Had two two of our precious children to give their life to Christ on Wednesday night. I dare say that there were some others that needed to. And even as, as Walter was preaching on hell, and you saw the two men, the rich man and the poor man, you saw the two paths, the right path and the wrong path, and you saw the two destinations, heaven and hell, you knew that if you dropped dead in your pew, you knew that you would not make it into heaven. Because make no mistake, there's only one way. There's only one way. Jesus says, I'm it. I'm the way, the truth, and life. Nobody gets to the Father by me. It's not about your good life. It's not about treating your family good. It's not being known in the community as good. It's only one way. Today, if, you, if that's you, I pray that God will give you courage because you see the truth is some people are going to miss hell or miss heaven by 18 inches because you have so much head knowledge, you don't have any heart knowledge. You never transferred it from your head to your heart. Some people are going to miss hell a long way because they think the wrong things get them there. They think if I'm faithful in church, listen, being a part of a church should be a part of who you are as a Christ follower. But being, a, being in church every Sunday won't, don't make you a Christian any more than being a cow. Being, being in a barn makes you a cow. You see, folks, Jesus came and died for every one of us here that he could change our lives and make us right with the Father. And today he's calling. He's calling you to make the commitment and stay with it. That's the first word. Peter and John stayed with it because they went to the temple. The second word is the word sensitive. Sensitive. Now, why in the world would I use that? It's no stretch for me to know that this is not the first time Peter and John have encountered this man. In fact, I will just tell you about our text here. I used this text a couple of years ago when I was preaching on the Jesus Church. And the last S up there, sensitive servant, was the one that I I lifted from here. It stands for us being sensitive and being servants. You see, when we commit to Christ, when we commit to Christ, we become servants just like Peter and James and John and all the rest. We become his bond slaves. I dare say this was not the first time that Peter and John saw this guy because they had been going to the temple regularly And the Bible says that this guy had been laid at the gate daily, daily. I dare say that they they had heard his cry before, him asking for money. Probably passed his way many times. And they just went on in and prayed. Kind of reminds me of the Good Samaritan, the story of the Good Samaritan. 
Have you ever thought about the scandal of that story to the Jews? Because Samaritans were trash. They were people from the other side of the river. They were people on the other side of the creek. They were people that weren't good enough for anything. And the two people that Jesus said passed that, that wounded warrior on the ditch and left him on ditch were church people, Pharisees, Levites. And, and the Samaritan was the good neighbor. Samaritan didn't pass him by because the Samaritan was sensitive. You see, the truth is, is that before Peter and John had come to pray, and, and when they had come to pray, it was kind of their tradition. It's kind of what they did. It's kind of their habit. It was their, it was their ritual. They kind of glassy-eyed, kind of uh, not paying attention to anybody around them except themselves. They just would come in the building and they would do their prayers and whatever they did, and then they would go their way. That was then, but this is now. Now the Spirit of God has spoken to them. Now the Spirit of God was in their heart. Now they were sensitive because he was. You see, then, then they were filled with duty. Now they were filled with God and his Holy Spirit. Then they were filled uh, with with living their own life by their own rituals, by their own rules. And, and now God was living in them. He was on them with his spirit. Then they were concerned about self. They were too concerned about self to notice. And now they were sensitive enough to notice the needs in front of them. Do you notice needs? Do you notice the needs when they're in front of you? Do you see people in needs? And when you see people in need, do you just see them in their physical need? Or do you see their spiritual need? You see, people can be classified into two groups. Those who know Jesus and those who need Jesus. There are no others. Do you see them? That brings us to the third word. It is the word see. See. Some of you will say, well, he, they didn't see until he asked for money. Well, folks, they, that may be right, but the truth is, I'm guessing not the first time these guys have been asked for money. I'm guessing not the first time this guy had asked them for money. They probably were like us. <laughs> be offend, don't be offended. Pros that turn into deaf ear to somebody asking you for money. They probably were pretty adept, pretty adept at deflecting the cries for help. They were probably adept at not seeing the voice that was speaking to them. I dare say they walked by and didn't dare to look. Does anybody know what that's like? You see somebody sitting and they need something and you walk by and you don't look. Because we're like Peter and John. We kind of develop that same ability. But consider, just consider, the disciples knew what it was to think they were going to be passed by by Jesus. Mark tells a story, not Mark Croner, the Gospel of Mark, 
Mark tells the story of the disciples being on a boat. And Jesus again coming walking across the water. They knew who it was this time. And it said, and if you read several translations, it kind of it kind of gives you the idea that the disciples thought Jesus was going to pass them by. One of the songs in the hymn book says, Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Deep theologians go, well, that's just not ever going to happen. Jesus don't pass anybody by. I bet you shouldn't have told those disciples. I bet you would have been, the disciples may have been glad to hear that that night because I get the feeling as I read that text that they thought Jesus was going to pass them by. These disciples had passed this guy by several times over the years. We're in need, whether it's a spiritual need or a physical need. We don't really want to be passed by. And the truth is, our spiritual need and our physical need seems to kind of intersect. (laughs) I'm reminded of the church that was on a coast, coast of an island, and a bad storm was raging. They'd been through others, but this was... This was something in the and the membership and the membership was there at the church and people because it was so severe, people who had never come to the altar was at the altar and they were praying. And they were shouting. And this one lady said, Lord, send Elijah, we need Elijah. And another one said, Lord, send Moses, we need Moses. And the other one said, Lord, send Joshua. We need Joshua. And a man in the, in the middle of them said, Lord, this is so dire. Don't send anybody. Calm yourself. You see, folks, we will not see anybody in need until we see God in our lives. We will not see their spiritual need until we see Him in our lives. And when he comes into our lives, we'll begin to see as they walk by this man. I want you, I really want you to get this picture. They're going into the temple. And here's what the, come on, let's, let's be honest about this today. They're going into the temple and they see him. They might have just mumbled to each other, there he is again. I knew he was going to be there. We should have chosen another gate. And so then you don't look because you don't dare look. If you look and catch eyes with them, you know what's going to happen? You're going to be sucked in. And so they get past him. And when they get past him, watch this. Because they stayed with their commitment, because the Holy Spirit made them sensitive, he forced them to see that need. And the fourth word is share. In our lives, things to share. Now, when did the sharing start? When did the sharing start in this scripture? Here's what I'm going to tell you. It started in verse number four. They got past the guy. Are y'all, are y'all with me? The guy sitting here, and they got past him going in, and the Holy Spirit of God spoke to him. When they turned around, 
to see him. He's already moved on to somebody else who might respond. Y'all got what I'm saying? Y'all got that picture in your mind? He just turned around. And so now Peter's getting ready to share. And he said, look at us. Why did he say that? I'm going to tell you. I will give you some thoughts as to me. I don't know all the reasons. It's kind of like when you're talking to your kids. And they don't look at you. And you go, look at me when I'm talking. You never heard that, have you guys? Look at me when I'm talking to you. And they just said, look at us. You know why? Because Peter was about to give him something that would change his life. And he wanted to talk directly to him. He wanted him to have the empathy, the connection together. He wanted the man's full attention. Now look, I don't care which translation you read, it all means the same. Peter said, in essence, I know what you just asked me for. But that's not your greatest need. That's not your greatest need. I don't have any of that anyway I can give you. But what I do have, I'm going to give you. Here's what we better wrap our hearts and our heads around. You're not going to be able to share anything you don't have. It don't matter how many times you've been to Sunday school. It don't matter how many times you've been to worship. Although that should be a part of a Christ follower's life. What matters is what Jesus has done in your life. Well, I can throw a 20 his way. I can throw a 50 his way. Some of us could throw a 100 or 2 his way. And some of us believe that the miracle here is that he got up and walked. You know, he said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. But I want to tell you, even when he gave him that great miracle, he reached out and gave him a hand. He still had, Peter still had some work to do to bring him to his feet. But the miracle, oh, it was a good miracle that he could walk since he'd been lame since birth. But you know what the real miracle there? We just sang about it. It is this. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you can be saved. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you can be healed. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you can have your addiction broken. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you can be made new. And when all that happens, then you have something to share. You can't give something you don't have. You can't take somebody places that you haven't been. After the Spirit comes, some natural working in your life comes about if he comes to you. You need to stay with those things that he's taught you. You need to be sensitive to the people around you and the situations. See the ways that you can help. You need to see it so that you can do like Jesus did and share it. You know, before I close... In Acts chapter 2, these people had gotten so close to Jesus that they did things that the Lord never commanded them to do. 
They sold each other and lived communal style. That was never a command. In fact, if you read your history 15 years later, because they sold off all their assets, 15 years later they were broke. So why did they do it? Here's what, here's what most of us are afraid of. If I, make, if I make the Lord Jesus first in my life and I come like him, it's going to require me to change some things. These people in, in Acts 2, they had such an experience that they wanted to do whatever they could to be like the Lord Jesus in his spirit and the, and the very nature of the spirit of Christ is to give. In, Pen- in uh, Pensacola, Florida, there's a church that is named East Brent Baptist Church. It's what we would call a mega church. I don't know what their, I don't know their attendance today, but at one time it was, it was approaching 1,500 to 2,000. Brother Dale Patterson was the pastor there for 25, 30 years. Brother Dale was raised in Summerall, Mississippi. You know how that church reached all those people besides the fact that Pensacola was such a growing town? Brother Dale had one goal, and that was to give the church away. Every time a ministry or a mission came up, they tried to figure out how they could do it, not how they could say no. Even when it cost a great deal of money, even when it required a lot of manpower, even when it caused them to send 20 or 30 of their members to another church to help it get started. How can you grow doing that? Because you cannot outgive God. Collectively or personally. This morning, has the Lord Jesus spoken to you? Have you felt his message touch your heart? Have you felt your spirit, his spirit Touch your heart. If you have, why would you ever say no to him? He's calling. He's calling you to take the next step of the journey of following him. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I pray that you're not through with us. I pray you're just beginning. I pray as I've stumbled to share your word about following you after you've spoken to us, I pray that we've begun to see what you want to do in and through us as individuals. I pray that you'll reveal to us what you want to do in and through us collectively. Speak to our hearts now. If there's one that doesn't know you, don't let them walk out today headed to the place that they don't want to go. Might today be the day that you call them to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Just a moment, we're going to stand and sing. There's room.